0: Between the twisted stars, the plotted lines, the faulty map that brought Columbus to New
1: York. Between the east and We're West, doing it. All right, for good well or for ill. Like <laughs> Ill. <laughs> 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 yeah, right, they're not booing. They're not booing, they're saying, saying Lou. Because this
0: week... What are we doing,
1: Barry? New York, by Lou Reed. His return to guitar, strictly guitar-oriented, simple... Songs uh, about his home, New York City. About New York, yeah, it's, it's New York City. He <laughs> can call it New York. It's not about you know. No, no, New York.
0: because I'm from New York. Right. I I grew up in Queens, yeah. uh, Bayside Queens, and believe me, I know nothing about the the New York that he that is in this on this record. Nope. I know nothing about that. Nope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right,
0: I did. I got to see a little bit later on in the night because in the early '90s it was still this. This record came out in January 1989. Yep. And uh, he was 47 years old when when wow. he wrote this record. When Jeez. this record came out, which, when you think about it, a lot of a lot of really great um, artists, songwriters, you figure once they're about in their 40s, that. ah, that's it, they're out. That. And then he comes out with this goddamn right. record.
1: It's like those uh, Dylan uh, "Time Out of Mind." And um, um, the two records that one that came out in '97 and one that like came out in 2000.
0: Right, right. His uh, later, love and theft. Right, right. Which which are great,
1: unbelievable, absolutely fantastic. But records. these guys
0: are 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 insane outliers to that because usually right. that never happens. And yeah. and it's funny that you bring up Bob Dylan because there are definitely um, of course. Yes, yeah, yes, there are. And and then I didn't realize um, that Lou Reed actually. I I read some interviews with him where he basically said. He didn't. He didn't care much for music for like modern music, poppy music. Right. But the one thing he would listen to the later, especially like the later Bob Dylan records, and he always respected him
1: as yeah, a writer, as right. as a
0: wordsmith, and a, yeah. as a poet. So it's like I think the
1: thing he probably also likes about Dylan is that Dylan is really just gonna do whatever he wants. Right. And his even if it sucks, and he's made some shitty records. He he's, he's uncompromising, right? It's like, exactly. This is what I'm going to do, and, right? Hey, okay, so he
0: did grudgingly respect him, although there is I'm, I'm I don't know if you caught it, but there is a a pretty a pretty fierce diss on Dylan in one of the songs in this. Right? I did not. <laughs> okay. So, all right, there so, there is, so when we get
1: there, point it out. I will. I will.
0: Of course, definitely. I will. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So me and uh, Barry and I decided when we uh, last week we said, all right, we're going to do uh, New York, Lou Reed, and then at some yeah. point. We were, I was going through the lyrics, and I messaged Barry. I said, "There's too many. We can't do well." I say, "We can't do this in an hour. Nah. It's impossible." And yeah. then Barry said, "Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. So this is going to be part one of a two-part episode of two-part yeah. uh, because anyone. I mean, every, I think anyone who, who is listening to this, listening to this podcast, who's into you know some of the music that we've done already, some of the records we've yeah. covered, know this record."
1: right I've seen yeah. it on a lot of people's lists, like of a lot course. of uh, people well, i know friends and yeah. yeah. it's listed as you know people will say this is um this is his greatest solo album i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that he's got a greatest solo album than right can right name. but but there are but this is it has peak. been said yeah, oh yeah, yeah, but it yeah. has been it's said and
0: this and this for him was like sort of a uh, like a resurgence because he was in the all right, let's give the the backstory for those who who were maybe born on Mars
1: or, or grew up <laughs> oh, Mormons <laughs> in, in a
0: Mormon, yeah, and, and don't know that he had that sure. he had a
1: band. Right, the f- most probably the most influential rock band on ever. If you're listening to this podcast, it's the most rock influential rock band ever. If you're listening to another podcast, it's probably the Beatles. Right. But, <laughs>
0: right, exactly. Okay, that's but, good. That's but, great. but you know, uh,
1: Brian Eno you know, You know, he lists two—if you two influences, major influences—it's the Velvet Underground and Captain Beefheart. So, oh, okay. So, if you the Velvets' first album came out in '60s, early '67, late '66, and it was uh, had uh, songs about. New York about drugs, about scoring drugs, about people uh, who were into uh, S and M, about people who were um, just freaks, right and, right? and
0: things, and so so things that people weren't writing no. songs about then. But but it's funny, Lou. I, I read another thing where Lou Reed said. He was surprised in a way that it was so shocking everything because yeah. people were writing about it already. Sure. There was, you know, in books, and well, that's the book all. The Underground
1: about. is a, a book. The Velvet Underground is a book about SM. and that's where they got the the name. Oh, of the okay, book. I he did not know Kale. that. I didn't know that. He so and, he
0: was, uh, yeah. So he said it's already out there. It's literary people write about this all the time. Sure. It's Just people, you know, why aren't they writing about it in Pop rock music and roll? Yeah. Or rock
1: and roll. Sure. So, but he, he had been did. a songwriter at a place called Pickwick Records. Right. Right. Um, writing
0: these like weird, <laughs> quir- like uh, novelty novelty songs. They were, a lot yeah. of
1: them were just terrible. I mean, there's not that the difference between if you listen to the Pickwick stuff and then you try to make a leap to the Velvet, to the Velvet Underground, Underground you, it's hard. Well, the, <laughs> the, the, the the thing that to understand was that he and John Cale and Sterling Morrison were living together in this apartment, and um, they, they had, John Cale had been involved in experimental music, and John Cale's a Welshman and uh, one of the two surviving Velvets, um, and they started writing these uh, started writing these songs together. So you can hear some of the early demos are really funny. They sound like like uh, waiting for the man. Yeah. My favorite rock and roll time song of all time. Just right, so I could right. get that out there. Right. If you if there's a number one if And one of the greatest one of the greatest, greatest rock, and rock and roll songs of, songs of, all, time. Songs of all time. And uh, mm-hmm. they started recording these in a hotel room they were living in. And it sounds like a country blues, and there's like, they do like 12 takes of it, <laughs> uh, of this country blues song, but then it morphs over time, and then the crucial step for uh, the song Waiting for the Man, there's a, early, there's a couple of early recordings of it, and then they go and record it one more time, and he changes the words from, I'm waiting for the man, to, I'm waiting for my, my man. man. Yeah. And that makes... That's kind of like, it crosses this threshold into, oh, and then it, that's the, now it's the greatest rock and roll song of all time. Right, right, right. So, and then Lou, you know, he, then Kale, they make White, Light, White Heat, which is an absolutely blistering, mind-blowing, and seminal rock recording. Um, In some ways, a, a more interesting record to me than the first Velvets album I love the first Velvets record but White Light White Heat is just excoriating it's like throwing it's like drinking paint thinner and setting your hair on fire (laughs) which is Barry if anyone knows Barry that's something you would enjoy right Um, yeah so and then Kale leaves and Lou makes the third Velvets record which is this very mellow, hushed affair.
0: Loaded. without, And then, uh, loaded, and then loaded. Oh, Loaded. Oh, so what was before a, the
1: Loaded? third oh, album is The Velvet Underground. Oh, The Velvet Underground, that's right. Candy that's right. Candy says, and uh, I'm set free. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, see, Bar- Barry's more of a Velvet uh, historian than me. I mean, okay. I, I
1: really do love yeah.
0: The Velvet Underground. I do. I got into them later. But by 70, 71, 70, they, they were 71, done. They were totes, and then yeah. the funny thing that I, didn't, that I just read just that I didn't realize was that he moved back in with his parents, <laughs> Yeah, after the Velvets. and he I got a job working
1: for his dad, dad yeah. as a typist. Right, <laughs> and he actually had this—he um, had this woman that he was involved with, whose story has surfaced relatively recently. Yes, right, right. And she—he
0: ended up marrying for a little well, bit. They I, were together for years, yeah. but they
1: married less than a year. And she was uh, sort, sort of this normal, regular woman right. who just, I guess, grounded him and provided him with honest feedback. And a, right. a stability, and then you know he Lou started getting involved in the hard drugs again, and I think that's what right. put her off, and they they, they went. Yeah, there so they ways. didn't
0: last, but he did. So he signed a recording contract with RCA Records yeah. in seventy uh, one, and he did his uh, first, first solo, solo record,
1: album. which is an okay record. It's got right. a lot of Velvet's leftover stuff on it. Um, it's not a masterpiece. Uh,
0: now, like Transformer, I would uh-huh. say the
1: early stuff, like you know, Transformer. and Transformer
0: was almost the, the the record I was gonna pick for this. Yeah, but um, you know, know, it it, it could have been. We definitely could have could have done. It's Transformer, way back there. It's, it's, it's a it's long time also, ago. But it's also I feel like it's more. Uh, there was more songs that are just like really known on, on Transformer. Absolutely, yeah. Walk on the Wild Side. Sure, uh, yeah, a, a know, perfect Andy day. Green. So yeah, right. I, I satellite
1: of Satellite of Love.
0: Right. So there was probably we I, could gush. We could gush. We, we could gush because it's a, a gush Record, but it came out in '72. So when you think about it, okay. So that, and then so Lou put out a bunch of records, and some, you know, and then in the '80s he put out New Sensations, which you're right. Barry told me he said listen to it again because it's actually not that bad. And I listened to it, and it actually is. It it is good. good. It's got some good stuff. And then Mistrial After, Mm, which is it was weird. It, It sounded like it sounded like a '80s record. Yeah, and so. The so those those records came out so the, the those are
1: sort of these late eighties record. right
0: late eighties so when you think about it, in nineteen eighty nine no one was sitting around waiting no. for a Lou Reed oh, record no. like oh We're when not. is Lou going to come out and you know no. so this
1: it's record him
0: right so when this record came out right. it must just have been like yeah oh, with okay. the cover
1: you know it's got the, it looks like it's like oh. This looks kind of serious. Yeah, right, exactly. And it's just called
0: New York. And, <laughs> New who, York. and you know, if, if if anyone could call their record New York, it's I M. would say, yeah, it's right. Lou Reed. And right. this was Lou Reed saying, fuck you, I'm still
1: Lou I'm fucking right. Reed. I need to say something. I have something I need to say. Yeah, everyone. yeah. And, it's <laughs> and, like, and he so, does. And,
0: yeah, and this is I wrote down, this is like his angry uh, love letter to New York.
1: It is. To New York and, City. And, and musically, it's very austere. It's two guitars, bass, and drums, and vocals. Right, and which, all almost- which he
0: wanted to do, which, which, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go back to basics. Right, and um, so. So let's... But before we go in further, we have to touch the stone because you have an actual Velvet Underground uh, connection. So six really? degrees of... Separ-
1: <laughs> yes, you do. I yeah, know you okay. do that. Right. So, so you might as well tell I, uh, the, uh, I'll tell my story. Who you have played. I w- probably tell the story before on the podcast. I don't, just think, I don't
0: think... I don't... Well... And not in depth. Okay,
1: so in about 1980... <laughs> and maybe I was a senior in high school. Maybe after uh, that, uh, my friend and person whose name appears on this podcast a lot... Billy Taylor from Orlando. Billy, I feel like I, <laughs> at this point I know. You're going one day. We're gonna have Billy on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna it. be a ban- it's gonna be quite an episode. All right. Awesome. And uh, Billy Taylor called me from uh, a record show in Orlando. He goes, "Hey man, there's this guy," and that's I'm doing a pretty good Billy Taylor imitation. there. <laughs> "Hey man, there's this guy down here, M- MC Costick and he he runs the Velvet Underground Appreciation Society, and he puts up what goes on in the magazine. You, you should come down here." So I, I drive to the record show, and we meet this guy and chat him up, and he seems like a super cool guy. And then Billy and I end up, we would, he, Mike lives in Stewart, and uh, so we would drive getting Billy's and B-210 on like a Friday afternoon and drive down and stay with Caustic in Stewart. And Mike is a record collector, still is. And he had, at the time, I think he had like 60,000 records in his house. The 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 walls were just lined with records. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And, uh, one he, of those guys. Yeah. Uh, one of those guys, but with ex- extremely hip and extremely good taste. And also a huge Velvets fan. Mike actually saw the original Velvets twice. Oh, wow. He saw them once with Kale and once without Kale. And he's from Amherst, Mass, or from around Amherst, Mass, uh, Greenfield, okay, around okay. there. He also... <laughs> it's this... Just a, one more little Mike Kostick thing. Mike Costick is visible in the Woodstock movie. Uh, he and a friend hitchhike to uh, the Yasker's farm with a bag of Doritos. And neither one of them, <laughs> neither one of them are drug takers or have ever been. And so they, they're there with all these acid, stoned hippies. And they stayed to see Jimi Hendrix. When Jimi Hendrix is playing the Star Spangled Banner, he lifts up his guitar. And we were watching the video and Mike goes, okay... Look, I'm going to pause it right there. And he points right through the crook in Jimmy's arm, and, and, and he presses play. And, and there he him. is on the audience. He's nodding his head, just like he does at every every <laughs> show I've ever been to him with. So Mike yes. Mike and his wife at the time went and hunted down Maureen Tucker, the, Mo Tucker, the drummer for the Velvets, who was living in Douglas, Georgia, and she was uh, a working for Walmart as data entry because she is one of the fastest typists on earth. Yeah. She has one of those. She can type like 200 words a minute or some insane thing. So, um, and they did a bunch of interviews with her asking her about, you know, stuff that nobody had ever asked her about. And they, they were cassettes and I ended up moving in with them for six months and, uh, uh, transcribing all that stuff. But, In the summer of 86, before uh, I I moved in with them, they wanted to record a record with Mo. And so, uh, Jad Fair from Half Japanese, famous uh, in underground circles, uh, 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 Maryland, D.C. noise rock guy, and uh, Jad Fair was a singer, and then I played bass and guitar, and then uh, Kate Messer, Mike's uh, girlfriend at the time. Played guitar and um, Mo played drums and sang and then Jad sang. I don't think maybe Mo didn't sing in that first. We recorded this EP in a garage in Orlando with the broken air conditioner and it was like 300 degrees. and wow. it's, it's a very raw recording. We do some some Velvet songs, uh, Mister Rain and Guess I'm Falling in Love, and we do a Jimmy Reed song and we do an instrumental that I wrote. And so, wow. um, so I ended- were
0: you like at that point? Were you? Star, uh, starstruck, uh, a little starstruck, yeah, that You sure. were playing with Maureen Tucker, yeah, of okay. You, you were, know, you were already But you involved.
1: know, Moe's um, very she's a odd character, and as people now, you know, she's has very uh strong political beliefs, and uh, which is not something I really understood at the time. Moe's a very serious, very, very serious, strict right. Catholic, and so it's all comes down to the uh,
0: which is. I- ironic. It's ironic, especially the song because she, she does play on this record. She plays on two songs. Yeah, Lou's sure. Just, really wanted her to be part of the <laughs> yeah, record sure. and she plays on two songs You know, she
1: just... Um, I think she recognized that those guys were... You know, that Lou was a, 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 a an artist and that she was just going to pretty much... Right, put put up with whatever right. from Lou, and
0: Lou also, but he also respected the fact that she that he said like no one no one else plays drums like no primitive yeah, yeah very primitive. she's got so the, what she does no one else does well so they, would just, you know, when they would definitely you know they would
1: do on White Light White Heat there's a song called uh, Sister Ray and Sister Ray's long and uh, it's um, when they played it live she she plays brutally. Hard and and metronomically like steady for 15 minutes. Right, right, right. And while the band is just doing this, you know, this right. this, this, wild, this is just wild over the top, and the lyrics are you know totally insane about uh, shootings, you know uh, trans transgender people you know in, a, in an apartment, drug addicts dealing drugs, and they murder somebody, and they're complaining about the <laughs> carpet getting. Right. So mo, but uh, but
0: you hit the nose when you said uh, primitive. That's what yes, it is. It's exactly, got like that sure. primitive. Yes. It does. Uh, yeah. And um, all right. So she's on this, but the main uh, the main um, drummer on this record was actually the guy that kind of uh, co-produced uh, it. it. Yeah. Didn't right. really have a. Well, he played producer with Lou for uh,
1: he, pl- he played with Lou for quite a while. Uh, Fred, uh, Fred Fred M- M- Mayor. Mayer and he was Mayor, young. Mar. He was
0: he was twenty four years old this time, and he started playing with Lou when he was much younger, like eighteen, I think.
1: Right. When young. Lou had um, Lou had a band in the early '80s with uh, uh, with, with Quine with Robert, Robert Quine, Quine yeah, one of the, yeah. you know, who from Richard Hell the Voidoids, just a guy that's got you know, they should, they should be a giant player. statue of him in front of the Rock and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame and fuck all those other guys, right. basically. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: but all right, so the, but the guitar player that played this record, Mike. Rathke, right. was uh, Lou Reed uh, wanted him to play in it, and he was known to be a very really easygoing guy, and there's a great Robert Quine quote, he, he
1: referred to, to, to my, my, Mike Rathke as Lou's lapdog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quine and Lou, it did not end well with Quine and Lou, because Quine had a really acerbic personality, right, just right. like Lou, and so for a while it worked. Oh, yeah, yeah, And it, then of course, it was like, you yeah, know, oil and water, it didn't work out.
0: And, and Lou, I think at this point, Lou was... Uh, sober already. He had already, he'd become sober. Right. So this guy was, was sober too. So I think, yeah, he was just of the mindset. So it was, so, all right. So besides Lou Reed, there was the uh, guitar player, Mike Rathke. Yeah. There was the, the the drummer I, I mentioned for most of the song, Fred Maher. And then Rob, Wasserman, Wasserman.
1: unbelievable bass player, unbelievable,
0: and playing this weird six-string electric,
1: yeah, electric upright bass, Totally that is. intimidating instrument that you're like, oh,
0: and you look and you said, how does, like, you look at some live videos and you go, is he really playing? Yeah. Is that him playing? He's, it? yeah, it's he's really unbelievable. Great. He makes it look effortless, and it's yeah. just like unbelievable. Yeah, and it's basically like Barry said, it's a six-string stand-up electric bass, and it's yeah, and it sounds incredible. Amazing. And, it does and, sound and I guess incredible. if
1: nobody told you that it was an upright. Bass, fretless bass. You would you wouldn't necessarily think well, no no because Lou had had right. Fernando Saunders play with him
0: who for, was also uh, a fretless bass a fretless player fretless bass, right? bass yeah, player yeah.
1: and but you know but played like it was like a fretless jazz or p bass or whatever right Fernando Saunders was a a jazz bass player he played you know with Jan Hammer and so forth so uh, he could really play as well so Lou right. had had some. Had had some really stellar talent in the bass department.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And he, uh, this record, as uh, natural as it sounds, it's basically just uh, two guitars, bass, and drums, the whole record. Yeah. But I was reading about the recording technique, and um, they said that the uh, guitars were recorded first because Lou was, at this point, Lou was obsessed with the sounds of, he wanted the guitars to sound a certain way and just sound really good. And they do on this record do, sound good. But so they're
1: very natural. They're very, they're, they're very clean. natural. They're not just, but did not, you know they recorded the guitars recorded <laughs> first weird.
0: without a click track and then the vocals and then the bass and then the drums. He put the, this wow. guy put the drums on. Did I know, it's, know that. and then when you listen to it, you would not think that there's only, no. there's one or two songs that they sort of played together live, but most of the songs were done that wow. way with the guitars. But first. It, and one
1: thing i enjoyed besides listening to the album this week was there's also a, an entire recording live recording of the entire album right you can see it on YouTube just yes. search New York New York Live Lou Reed that's it and um it's 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 uh the same band and it's the same songs but it's and it's done start to finish but it's a, it's in a live setting and it's just a different perspective but it's also great so you can it is really those great. two things and really enjoy it.
0: um and um also in the liner notes to the record uh he specifically says that he, he directs the listener to hear yeah. the whole album in, Starting to finish. in one sitting, yeah. lo- like it's a book or a movie. Right. And it's funny, it, it is kind of, when you think about it, that is kind of arrogant of someone to say that. But right. for this record, hey, it's so fitting because what it are you is. Do? Yeah.
1: Well, that <laughs> reminds me of yeah, someone who's in the news this week, is David Lynch. And David Lynch's original DVDs had no, you would get them, they have no chapters. So once you press play in the movie, you can't skip forward a chapter. Oh, okay. You have to. You've got to watch you press, the movie. <laughs> You've got to watch the movie, which That's is kind of evil, but whatever. No, yeah, well, hey, He's he did a it. Yes, right. and
0: then also, uh, so Dion sings uh, backups, very yeah, memorable yeah, backups, because yeah. I guess Louis, um, Lou, is a big fan of uh, Dion. Oh
1: yeah, and on the live thing, there's some amazing duet. Stuff at the yeah, AM. yeah, AM. there so, are. So uh, and the
0: drummer sings really good. He, yeah, he sings yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it is. It's just yeah. And
1: Lou's a doo-wop fan, which is uh, that's right, him. exactly.
0: That's his roots. That's what he yeah. he loved. And it's so funny when they're doing that. You see live. He he. Lou is a man that rarely smiles, but he's got that. <laughs> but he'll have yeah. that
1: little smile on his face. Jovial like, is not the word you would ever use. <laughs> oh my God, no. <laughs> the late Lou Reed, definitely not. Um, he's right. He's been dead what f- five years now. Wow, since so 2013 has it been that long? 2000 yeah it's been a long time i guess so it's so nutty. um
0: let's see what else can we say i guess we'll, after we take our first break we'll get into the songs themselves this is going to be part 1 of our uh, of our <laughs> i've got my thing.
1: lyrics this is the most lyrically dense album the reason we're doing a two part one is yeah we had so there was to no way about. we couldn't
0: there's so much to talk about and it's so and it's so great it it's so well written and so lyrical and there's so much he throws out like just so many um and and some of it some of it can sound dated in a way yeah. just because of the names he puts out were right. definitely names sure. that everyone knew about right. in the 80s but it's not really as a whole it's it no, isn't it's some not it dated
1: is, some of it is very very oh my
0: god some of it's like unbelievable topical yeah. Yeah, yeah like you wouldn't believe but yeah. um yeah we'll get there
1: yeah <laughs> right right there's a couple of characters where you're going to go oh
0: Right, exactly. I know those guys, exactly, exactly. Um, so I uh, song one, yeah, it's the uh, starts out with Romeo had Juliet. Romeo had Juliet, and it and uh, it starts out. Which a lot of records I think we've done, uh, they have the false start. uh songs have yeah, it has does. the false yeah, start yeah, it because does. it starts sort of it, in the middle of it. And you and could and tell and it and sounds it like nice. yeah, okay, we're, and then we're rolling. It, and then yeah. yeah, we're rolling. Then it starts. And it gives the whole. It starts the record off to where you. It has kind of a loose feel, kind of a loose, yeah. thrown-off feel to it. And uh, the whole. This song is just like a, a poem, like an evocative poem about the, about the seedy. But but um, Lou always managed to find the beauty in the, seediness of New York, especially New York. Of course, of, of well, this I, time. Well, uh,
1: the thing about Lou was that he's not judging, those people for what they're doing. Right, right, exactly. And that's what's that's what people find shocking is that he sings about these characters, and he does not cast
0: no judgment. judgment. He doesn't judge. He, it.
1: he, he, he later on he passes judgment on you know politicians. Exactly. He does, but with people. these people
0: he speaks of them with um,
1: fondness, affection so with and, affection and yeah.
0: fondness. And uh, the main characters in this are a guy named Romeo. Rodriguez, Romeo Rodriguez and And Juliet Juliet Bell. Bell. Yes, that's right. And it Mm -hmm. starts out, uh, Romeo Rodriguez squares his shoulders and curses Jesus. Jesus. Runs a a comb through his black ponytail.
1: Yeah, he's thinking of his lonely room. The sink that by his bed gives off a stink, then smells her perfume in his eyes, and her voice was like a bell. Juliet Bell. And then he's describing street scenes, and they're uh, all, more about Romeo. A diamond crucifix in his ear is used to help ward off the fear that he has left his soul in someone's rented car. So Romeo is probably turning tricks for money. Right, right. Uh, but, and, but
0: he paints such a picture of these people with these yeah. words. It's like, it's unbelievable. You, you could... You could picture them when he's talking about them and when he's describing them, and it's just, like, so beautiful. And
1: Romeo is a tough guy, and uh, Juliet is... uh, I don't think... He doesn't talk about Juliet as much as he does about Romeo in this. He talks about her perfume. um, But
0: did you know? Now, did you notice there's a little bit... uh, Almost where... um, I almost got the feeling of a DIY abortion involved in here. Because oh. he says, inside his pants he hides a mop to clean the mess that he has dropped oh. into the life oh. of Lism Juliet Bell. Oh.
1: You okay. know? So he, sure. he
0: specifically says into the life of Lism and, and he hides a mop. And then he says the perfume boned, uh, burned his eyes holding tightly to her thighs and then something, something flickered for, for a minute, minute. And, then and then it, it was, vanished and it was, and was gone. gone.
1: Now, when I... When I the thing about the the mop in his pants, <laughs> I, I wasn't even sure what 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 Lou's talking about. Maybe I missed uh, with the mop. What is it? Well, that's what
0: uh, he hides him mop to clean the mess that he yeah, has dropped. A, yeah, right. So yeah, it could yeah. be it could just be more lurid than the, that. Yeah, than right. it, it could yeah, just yeah. be yeah, he dropped the um, mess in her and he's got to clean it up. Um,
1: so it could just be like a handkerchief. But the, at the end the final the final verse, the perfume burned his eyes, holding tightly to her thighs. Yeah, and something flickered for a minute and then it vanished and was gone. I thought about that he felt love for her for a minute, real love right, and right. affection. But then, uh, but then he then went back to being right. to uh, uh, the street guy, Romeo Rodriguez. Right. And, and, and there's it, some violent imagery in this. The cop. Oh, yeah, uh, right, right. The cop who died in Harlem. You think they'd get the warning? I was dancing when his brains ran out on the street, and that's—I guess—that's Romeo talking and bragging right. uh, to his friends. But he was probably so, an asshole cop, probably a dirty cop. So yeah, he was well, laughing. and uh, these guys are not saints. No, they're not. There's no saints on this story.
0: Now, when he's talking about the uh, the book, he says, Manhattan's sinking like a rock into the filthy Hudson. What a shot. Yeah. They wrote a book about it. They said it was like ancient Rome. That book, I <laughs> believe he's talking about Tom Wolfe's um, Bonfire of the yeah. Vanities. Because yeah. I remember reading that in the 80s, The Bonfire yeah. of the Vanities. And this almost, people have described this as a musical version of The Bonfire uh, of, the, of the Vanities.
1: That I did not know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that... Um, uh, but yeah, what a what a great opener! What a great opener!
1: Yeah, and he's now, like he opens the curtain, and it's like okay, <laughs> you, there's this. He presents you with this scene of New York. Oh, yes. here you go. Here's a real life scene, and it's taking place right now.
0: Right, and actually, and now I'm going to take you through all the characters. So we're going to take yeah. a little quick break in this part one of the uh, Louis New York episode, and we'll be back in a minute. Three of the
1: six people they were writing mm-hmm. campaigning for were released, mm-hmm. and I got to talk to them. Their stories are so horrible; it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, you read it in the papers, it's one thing,
0: you know, but sitting, listening to this mother tell you, like, in Chile, Veronica
1: Negra, like, how her son was burnt mm-hmm. up, and uh, it's it's hard to believe over things that we wouldn't even, you know, wouldn't even right. dawn on us we had a problem. Right
0: but so that was a, I, I, I mean know.
1: like i'm i'm bitching and moaning because my my two words are taken out of dirty boulevard right know, and these people over there if you say hi you know you're right, torpedoed right
0: okay well i was curious about that also um a friend
1: i mean those people are out there i mean you yeah know, that, that we're talking other world uh, ayatollah land i mean those, those guys are really
0: solomon rusty what do you think of that all right we're
1: back well, I mean... That record know, got me high. Oh, we didn't introduce ourselves before. That's Barry
0: Stock.
1: <laughs> That's Rob Elba, as if you didn't know already. Right. We were Episode
0: 15. Episode 15, part one. Part or one. Or side one. 15A. You you side 15A. A. And I think we were so excited about this. I would say me and you were... Um, I, I mean, if, if I'm going to list my favorite songwriters, Lou Reed is going to be right yeah. up there. It's probably like yeah. one of my all-time favorites. Reed,
1: Dylan, Neil Young, um, you know... Yeah. There's other ones, but those guys are, those guys are not going, you're not going to top. No,
0: no, they're not. He's untouchable and. um,
1: Honest, honest observations of people that, where you see, you know, they uh, uh, give you a perspective you didn't have before. Right, exactly. And you're not going to get
0: anywhere else. Anywhere else, that's right. And then we go. So we're on the second song now of New York, and the song is Halloween Parade. Yeah. From and the, we from and how many band. records have we done that have had Halloween yeah, a lot. in that title? Well, a lot, we're probably right? going to do
1: another one too. So we'll probably do that <laughs> that one that one. Uh, yeah. Um, it's a popular. If you if I do sort by Halloween in my in my iTunes songs, there's a lot of songs from Halloween. Right. There. right. So we got yeah. Anyway, Jello Biafra in his version of Halloween but this one is a sad rumination it's, it's very sad very and this sad. is when AIDS was, was really hitting New York right hard right and hitting the gay community in New York really hard Right, and so so at first it sounds like an
0: ode, like he's talking about a parade, like a Halloween parade, and all the uh, There's a colorful figures fairy
1: singing out "Proud Mary" as she cruises Christopher Street, and some Southern queen is acting loud and mean where the docks and the badlands meet. So yeah, he'll, yeah. He'll, so he's, he's, the, he's yeah, It's like Act Two. He opens the curtain again on another scene, New right? York another scene.
0: scene, and these are his beloved, like the the misfits, yeah. the transvestites, and yeah. everything. But yeah. as you get into the song, you realize. He's talking about how one, a lot of them aren't the ones that
1: right, aren't there right. anymore. These are the ones that are that he's seen, but a lot of the ones he knows are gone. That are gone. That aren't there uh, anymore. Halloween is something to be sure, especially to be here without you. And we don't know exactly who the you is that he's talking about. Right. Right. Um, but. Uh, but I'm sure he's. I'm sure he lost a lot of people oh that he God. knew
0: during that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah during and the those are his.
1: Years. Those were his. Uh, his. You know, I don't know that much about Lou's personal habits. I don't, I haven't read any of the biographies and stuff. I I know that he's a complicated character. He's complicated. And from what, I mean, basically he was, he was married three times. Right. And
0: uh, to women all three times, but he also had a long-term
1: lover. That was a a, long-term lover. That was a transgender Sylvia. Right. Right. Uh, Transgender way before
0: people, you even knew what that was or anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sylvia
1: was a cross dress or, or, or cross dressing. Right. Man, and...
0: Uh, uh, so, yeah, he was a
1: complicated... And Sylvia uh, appears the, in a lot of the songs.
0: Sylvia, the, who he was married to then, his wife uh, at this time you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Sylvia, right, right, right. Mor- right.
1: Sylvia Morales right. Uh,
0: became Sylvia Reed. Right, because he had been married, and he sort of... It seemed like he kind of... He became sober, so he uh, settled down a little. He, right. he stopped doing the hard drugs, and he did uh settle down, but he still... So in this song, but he's still talking fondly about all these people he knew.
1: But there ain't no Harry and no Virgin Mary, and you won't hear those voices again. And Johnny Rita, uh, Johnny Rio and Rotten Rita, you'll never never see see those those faces faces again. again. They're gone. And, uh, I even remember him talking about the characters from Sister Ray and how they would go. He and Kale would go to Harlem to score drugs. (laughs) And, uh, um, he said, you know, uh, um, those people are dead. He was. He was sad. He said, you right, know, they're right. not around anymore." Right, and right. Uh, so and,
0: yeah. And he's singing about these marginalized people, right. desperate people. But you could tell he has a he's affection, a, right, a he genuine aff- affection for. But
1: them. he's observing these new people that he and he's he's talking. He's definitely missing. The yeah. people that he used to see that he knew, oh, hey, Lou. It's, it, those it's people. Uh,
0: sad. It's really sad. It's a very sad, sad
1: song. It is. There's a girl from Soho with a T-shirt saying, I blow. She's with the <laughs> Jive 5 2 plus 3. And the girls for pay dates are giving cut rates or else doing it for free. Um, no consolations, please, for feeling funky. I got to get my head above my knees. But it makes me mad. It makes me sad. And then I start to freeze. Um he actually talks about his head being on his knees way back in on a song, on White Light, White Heat. Um, so he's used that before. Oh, okay. On, uh, I heard her call my name on White Light, White Heat. It's a song who, about a guy who goes crazy because his girlfriend's dead. Oh. And uh, he's got his... Uh, he's got my... I got my eyeballs on my knees... So that means his his you know he's like curled up right right um, and Lou Lou was. His gave you know he had um, his parents treated him with electroshock therapy, <laughs> yes, which is really horrible. It's horrible. They wanted to, to shock homo- the gay yeah, out of right. him Cured and and, his and, they, and
0: they went to this obviously a quack. quack doctor. They said, "Well, this is what you got to do." You right. know, this so, is going to uh, work. Uh, yeah, this so, is kind of horrible. Yeah, <laughs> he, he there's some songs about that too. Uh, there are. Uh, uh, yeah. kill your sons. That song, kill your sons, yeah, is uh, I, pretty I, brutal.
1: I, there's an he. And the there's a recently released um thing called live at the matrix when it's the velvets with uh and there's a song called i can't stand it and it's a song about a this guy living in new york by himself in a in a in a in a uh, uh an apartment and lou talks about you know waking up in the morning and he at the intro to the song he goes he yeah, you know, I turn on the radio, and the first thing the news has said is that some guy—it's—it's—you uh, know—it's minus 10 degrees, and some guy just—you know—backed his truck over his baby in his driving. Oh Jesus! <laughs> and you go. I just want to—I st- just so I stayed inside, just stayed inside for a you know a month or something like that. So Lou's not coming up with this stuff. Just he's not making this stuff. Up. No, no. His life was uh, full of that yeah. kind of stuff. And now we meet uh, Pedro. Yeah. We meet Pedro. On the Dirty Boulevard. On the Dirty
0: Boulevard, which it's crazy. When you when you read the lyrics in this song and, and some of the things, to think that this song was a hit. It was kind of yeah, like a sure. hit. sure, it was. It was a hit song, and it's a great song, but it's dark. It's, oh. it's a dark song. So we're introduced right. to Pedro, who lives out, lives out of the Wilshire Hotel. Out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's another beautifully written, dark uh, poetry. Cardboard
1: walls and uh, a, car- a newspaper on his feet. And it two thousand bucks of rent, a rent, some a month a rent, some landlord pissing himself and with and laughing. Right. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but give me you're
0: hungry, you're, you're tired, poor. you're poor. I'll piss on them. That's yeah. what the statue of uh, bigotry says. Statue of bigotry. <laughs> and he mentions the statue of uh, bigotry uh, a few times on this record. He does. Uh, your poor <laughs> huddled masses. He's let's club them to death and get <laughs> it over with and just dump them on the boulevard. Yeah. It's like it's so brutal and stark, and the way he delivers it, he just sort of throws it away.
1: President in 1989.
0: Well, this was after Reagan, I guess. So we, Bush. we went through
1: the raid, Yeah, we. It's we the Bush we and uh, the, Giuliani is the mayor. Yes, Rudy, and Rudy Giuliani, Rudy, Rudy and, he saved,
0: and he saved some uh, uh. vitriol for Rudy <laughs> Giuliani. He yes. definitely has some vitriol for him, which is very. <laughs> Ironic that uh, Mr. Giuliani is in the in the news again, and uh, he also mentions... Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to who else go. he mentions. A
1: small kid stands by the Lincoln Tunnel. He's selling plastic roses for a buck. The tra- traffic's backed up to 39th Street. The um, the TV whores are calling the cops out for a suck. <laughs> so uh, if This was a hit song. It's crazy when yeah, you think he about it. Yeah, TV. I mean, what, that's his second song, right, because Walk on the Wild Side is also about... Uh, uh, um, uh, a transvestite. That right. Is, uh, uh, right. We're going to catch some flack for using terminology that's been uh, uh, outdated. Well, we, uh, we do our in best. our
0: defense. Yeah, we do. We're. me and Barry, we're we're old, so we you know we we get a uh, grand we're grandfathered in because we are old enough to be grandfathers. So.
1: And back at the Wilshire, Pedro, Pedro sits there dreaming. He's found a book of on magic in a garbage can. He looks at the pictures and stares at the cracked ceiling. At the count of three, he says, I hope I can disappear and fly, fly away from the dirty boulevard. I want to fly, fly away from the dirty boulevard. And then the record in the song ends on, I want to fly, fly away. He wants out. Yes,
0: and this is the song that Dion comes in too, yeah? Dion right, come in and he right. does this really pretty yeah. Yeah. You got Dion, all of a sudden, his voice coming in, this high voice, and uh, it's really pretty it's, at the end. it's beautiful. But that last uh, yeah, that that verse, just when he's talking about paper-finding the book of magic, to me, that's almost like uh, I look at that as like drugs, like he, he uh, discovers drugs, so he could take well, and, and it and it... and for sure. Disappear, because he yeah. wants to disappear from this horror of his life. Yeah. Which this movie is, I am mean, this movie, I call movie because the song is it's like a, a Scorsese movie it is <laughs> it yeah, basically sure. is it's like a Scorsese movie put to music and we haven't talked much uh, about the music thus far but this song the, um, uh, the chorus when he talks about the uh, Dirty Boulevard <laughs> On the third measure, they break it down, yeah. and then on the fourth one, they just do four shots: bum, bum, bum. Yeah, and it's so great; it's so yeah. effective; it's just like really good. It, it kills. And
1: it's but it's a very simple. He uses very simple motifs. Oh yeah, yeah, record. absolutely. Makes more absolutely. simple than um, he he. I mean, intentionally has. It broken it down.
0: Well, yeah, because there's so much lyrics to get out right. and so much to go out that it, you, you, you can't it have compete. all this crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, endless Cycle.
0: Oh, the Endless Cycle. Another, I mean, uh, <laughs> another down. Uplifting. This is, not a, yeah, yeah. this is not a happy, uplifting record. No, uh, not so much. <laughs> it's really not. Um, and this is Endless Cycle. It describes exactly what this song is about. How these people
1: end up where they are.
0: Yeah, the cycle of, of abuse and desperation That gets passed down from generation to generation. Family to family, yeah,
1: from from generation to generation.
0: The uh, bias of the father runs on through the son and leaves him bothered and bewildered. The drugs in his veins only cause him to spit at the face staring back in the mirror. Self-hate, hate
1: hate Uh, themselves. Right,
0: right. And he doesn't, even in this, it's not... He's not judging people that hard. He's just sort of matter of fact. This is what happens. This is what happens, right? This is the the cycle. The the sickness of of the
1: mother runs on through the girl, leaving her small and helpless. Liquor flies through her brain with the force of a gun, leaving her running in circles. So there's no, they don't have, they can't see out of the situation they're in. Right. It just seems like. They're in a in a maze, and they're just you know they're rats running around in a maze with no hope of of escape. <laughs> and um,
0: this uh, this song uh, is very uh, Dylan like. I feel. I feel yeah, it could be like a yeah, ladder, yeah. like a later Dylan song. The way yeah. the the music is kind of um, is kind of uh, low key. It's low yeah, key music in sure. the background and and it's uh, it's also jaunty it has like a little jauntiness to it that's totally undercut by the the <laughs> lyrics are the so bleak content, which is but brutal. the music just sounds almost yeah. like jazzy like a little jazzy it, it
1: does um, and
0: he's got the dark marriage joke at the <laughs> end which he uh, does this his marriage ended pretty soon after this record right well sub- i
1: mean just imagine being married to lou Look, we should get it out of the way <laughs> the lou reed is kind of is just notorious was notorious for being an asshole oh, so pretty notorious
0: much, for to being pretty an much asshole. everyone
1: in fact i think this is a third rep- episode where i'll mention the fact that there was A, a, a Q&A with chris friends of the talking heads <laughs> or he was on it was on his facebook feed and people were asking questions of Seymour Stein from Sire Records through this intermediary, somebody that was there with (laughs) Seymour, you know, maybe in his apartment or whatever. And uh, some poster chimed in and said, yeah, you know, that... Seymour was the only person I never heard Lou Reed say anything bad. about. So <laughs> That's it. pretty much everyone else on Earth that he talked about, he he had disparaging comments. Right, comment and he was
0: it. he was notoriously hard to interview. Like interviews oh, he would yeah. give, and there was one I read one uh, interview, and someone asked, "What would you say is the most common mis- misconception Christ. about you?" And and obviously he wanted to say maybe that he's difficult, but <laughs> Lou said, "Oh, I don't know. I would have to hear them." <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, so at the end of the song, (laughs) uh, there's a thing that's really dark about the marriage. He says... Better than their mommy or daddy did. Better than the childhood they suffered. He's talking about the parents now. Yeah. At least they're better than their mommy right. and daddy did. Better Lighting than the childhood self-aware. they suffered. The truth is they're happier when they're in pain. In fact, that's, that's why they why get they married. married. <laughs> oh,
1: my <laughs> God. Yeah. They want to find somebody with the same pain, you know, same, yes. <laughs> same pains that they got. That's how they make it work. It's, it's, uh, and then the next song, There Is No Time, which is... Uh, um, up temp, it's metal. This yeah, song is like is
0: is like metal. Chunka chunka. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it definitely stands out on the record because it's yeah. got most of the songs. The guitars are sort of um, clean, not yeah. distorted. Right, yeah. right, and really great sounding clean. But this one, they turn up the distortion. It's got the metal thing, and uh, this is one of those songs. It's one of those songs, but done much better. Where there's a, a lot of uh, lyrics thrown out, just like listing things, like listing yeah. different things. I,
1: I, I envy Lou Reed the fact that he could go out and, even though he wrote them, but he could mem he could remember every.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because did you notice I was watching the live New York thing and he has. In this song in particular, he keeps glancing down. He's, he's got, got lyrics. He's got something lyrics there, yeah. and he's, Because
1: there's a lot of lyrics. There's a
0: lot, lot of lyrics. But I mean, there's and, no and all these songs.
1: Well, there's no repeat. Exactly,
0: right. There's no repeat. There's no chorus. It's just there is no time for what? There is no time for optimism. There is no time for endless thought. No. There is no time for my country right or wrong. Yeah. Remember what that brought. And that's like, this is so in the now now. Because he's, he talks a lot about these empty... um uh, Patriotism and oh yeah, there's no time for
1: celebration. There's no time for saluting flags. There's no time for this. Is no time for inner searchings. The future is at hand. No time for phony rhetoric. No time for political speech. No time. This is the time for action because the future is within reach. Well, we're there, people. Yeah, I know, right? And he was back in the Bush, you know, the early Bush. And I guess he probably wrote this during Re- Reagan's presidency, because that one, Reagan's presidency ended in 88. Right. And this was recorded in early eighty starting in January 89. Right. So, right, uh, right. Um, uh, yeah, and it's, um, he's uh, called to action, but he doesn't say... Real he doesn't tell you exactly what the action is. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He's leaving these Yeah, But it's definitely time for something to happen.
0: But there's no yeah, but there's no time for this. There's no time for this fake uh yeah, no, uh, fake empty nationalism. There's no time for any of that. And uh also at the uh towards the end of the song, it's got some velvetish uh, yes. sister Ray yeah, guitar, yeah. which it you does. don't hear anywhere else no. on this
1: record at all. Uh-huh. some like crazy uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, guitar a little bit. Lou's guitar playing, like when you Lou's soloing was usually had a sort of slightly out of control quality that um right. you can usually go, oh, oh, that's Lou soloing there, right.
0: You could tell you because Lou plays. A lot of guitar on this record, does, and I think, yeah. yeah, he does, and and you could tell the 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 prettier, more um, sure uh, stuff is is the the other guy,
1: yeah, sure, <laughs> but
0: yeah, as something that's got a little more of an edge, like it's a little Lou, wildness yeah. to it, it's Lou, and he was he ended up being a a, a really great uh, guitar, guitar he was player. A,
1: he was actually a great guitar player. He was celloist, from the beginning. He was, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say he ended up. Well, people didn't realize how. Uh, influential his guitar playing was going to be and I guess I didn't even realize until later on that all of the Velvet stuff he, all of the soloing is him like it's Sterling Morrison doesn't play guitar solos in the Velvet's, it's all Lou Reed so oh, if you right, right, right. hear some wild wailing thing like I heard her call my name which has got this incredible you know, out of control guitar solo no, one of Lester Bang's greatest guitar solo, listed as one of the greatest guitar solos of all time uh, it's Lou, you know and he's just uh um, but it's not. It's kind of like where you have Neil Young's playing. Where you go, Neil Young's playing is incredible. But he's not. He's not a virtuoso in the musical sense. He's a virtuoso in the in the in, in the sense that it's totally authentic and totally uniquely. You go, oh, it's right, Neil right. playing guitar. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Right. And it right. and it adds to music in a way that's undeniable. Um, yes.
0: Alright, so I think we're gonna uh we're gonna close down this part one of the uh Lou Reed New York, but um then the next episode which will come next week, we still have who do we have? We have the Virgin Mary, we have yeah. the NRA. Yeah, we have Rudy Giuliani.
1: Yeah, yeah. we have Trump. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have all, Trump next week. We yeah. have
0: Bernie Gets. Yeah, we have Kurt Walltime.
1: Yes, that's right. And the Pope.
0: <laughs> we have the Pope. We have Jesse Jackson. Yes,
1: well, Jesse gets a whipping. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Louis Farrakhan. Flet- we have right. Oliver North. Yes.
1: <laughs> and we have Morton Downey. Morton. I was gonna. I couldn't remember his name, but yeah, it just it, you get it, unless you. We're watching TV in the '80s, right? Right. He hasn't been on TV in a long time. No, no, right? no, no. But like the, if you <laughs> say Jerry Springer, people are like, "Yeah, I know who Jerry Springer is." But you go Morton Downey, that's been a long time ago.
0: Right, and I think I think most eighty percent of the names I just named are in one song. But yeah, they
1: are. But they're all. It's all New York. It's all New York, and it's
0: all Lou Reed, and uh, we hope uh, we hope you guys are as excited about uh, this record as obviously me and Barry are. Yeah, the man, kids. So that is Barry Stock.
1: That's Rob Elba.
0: and we will see you guys next week on that record.
1: Got me, me high. high.